You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR and the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. This is a big week for economic announcements that will affect everyone as Australia weathers the COVID-19 storm. The rate of JobKeeper and Seeker payments are under review with the Federal Government's mini-budget on Thursday expected to announce reduction of JobKeeper to around $1,000 a week to Christmas after September and a potential decrease of JobSeeker, the rebadged New Start slash Dole, to pre-COVID poverty levels. Getting a jump start on the Government on Monday, the ACTU, the Australian Council of Trade Unions, announced its National Economic Reconstruction Plan. On Tuesday, a coalition of unions, social welfare organisations, not-for-profits and individuals, including the Australian Unemployed Workers' Union, the Anti-Poverty Network, Virgo for Pensioners and First Nation groups, launched LIFE, Living Incomes for Everyone, demanding the retention of the increased job seeker payment past the September deadline set by the Federal Government. We will hear a little of what the ACTU President Michelle O'Neill had to say when launching the ACTU's National Economic Reconstruction Plan. COVID-19 has lifted the rock on insecure work and casualisation. Victorian Premier Dan Andrews has said about 80% of Victoria's new cases since mid-May are being driven by transmission in workplaces, including private sector aged care, where... As the health worker union, the HWU, has pointed out, workers are on minimum wages and are casual, thus requiring them to work in more than one place to put food on the table. Added to this is the inadequate PPE, personal protective equipment. The stoush about the shortcomings of an economy built on a flexible workforce, code for insecure and underpaid, also came to the fore in the original problems with containing COVID at quarantine hotels in Victoria, with security guards at the centre of the controversy. Today we'll hear from the security guard who blew the whistle. But first, some union news. A $2 billion job trainer program for training or reskilling for up to 340,700 school leavers and job seekers announced by the Federal Government. Places for courses will be available from September. ACTU President Michelle O'Neill questions why TAFE was missing from job trainer announcement. We want to know that the money is going to go to public good, go to the public TAFE system and really make sure people get good training, she said. The package includes $1.5 billion extending the wage subsidy for apprentices and trainees for 47,000 employers with 81,000 apprentices and trainees and widening eligibility from small businesses to medium-sized businesses with up to 199 employees. 
It will go to March, covering apprentices who were in place on July the 1st. It covers half the apprentices' wages up to $7,000 a quarter. To get the job trainer funding, the states will need to sign up to an agreement to reform their vocational education and training systems, according to the Prime Minister. (coughs) Members of the Translators and Interpreters Australia claim they were unable to help the 3,000 residents in a hard COVID-induced home detention at public housing estates in Melbourne due to a dispute with the federal government's translating service. They have refused to sign contracts with the Translating and Interpreting Service, TIS National, a part of Department of Home Affairs, because they can be varied for up to 10 years, during which TIS can alter the majority of the terms of the deed as well as the policies that underpin it. There is no provision for fee increases, no negotiation and inadequate dispute resolution processes. <coughs> Gig Economy Failing Workers Victorian Report Report of the Inquiry into the Victorian On Demand Workforce 2020 Natalie James, former Fair Work Ombudsperson and now a partner at Deloitte's Australia, headed the Victorian Government's inquiry into the on-demand workforce, which reported last week. The Young Workers' Centre welcomed the report and the 20 recommendations. The report reveals gig economy workers who are predominantly young, migrant workers on temporary visas, are being paid significantly below the national minimum wage and do not have safe working conditions. On the Victorian waterfront, the EB negotiations have stalled at DP World. MUA Victorian Branch Secretary Shane Stevens said despite an in-principle agreement in October 2019, DP World is refusing to meet with the union with 30% of the workers forced into redundancy since COVID-19. The union has set in motion protected action voted by the on-site committee. Mr Stevens said it will include bans or stoppages in certain parts of the ship for maintenance and general operations. The protected action starts from 12am on Tuesday, July the 21st, affecting the Melbourne site as well as Brisbane, Port Botany, Fremantle and Sydney. The Maritime Union of Australia will take a national approach to all disputes ongoing. In overseas news... In the US, thousands of workers will walk off the job in more than 25 cities on July the 20th in a mass demonstration called the Strike for Black Lives, organised by a coalition of black advocacy groups and labour unions, including the Service Employees International Union, the American Federation of Teachers, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters and United Farm Workers. The strike takes aim at various industries in which black workers are disproportionately represented, including fast food, airports, gig workers, nursing and home health aides. Demands include higher wages and the right to form unions. Still in America, Target's shipped delivery drivers strike as Target slashes rate by one third. During the pandemic, Target hired more than 10,000 drivers as independent contractors through its app service, Shipped. Despite the boom in business, Shipped recently released a new revenue model that has decreased take-home pay for some drivers by 30 to 40%. Scores of Target Shipped delivery workers across the US went on strike to protest the wage cuts. Suddenly, I was out 500 to $700 a week, one driver said. The 
change was so discouraging. Shoppers in San Antonio took a big hit and I had to find a new job at a call centre, he said. While on a sobering note, over the summer of protests, police have fired rubber bullets at demonstrators on scores of occasions, leading manufacturers struggling to keep up with the demand for rubber bullets. Behind that demand is a workforce of low-wage workers with no benefits working up to 12 hours a day. Safariland, a $450 million company run by investor Warren Candace, relies on a rotation of low-wage temporary employees. Six workers with Safariland said that they were paid between $10 and $12 an hour with no benefits and sometimes were expected to work up to 12 hours a day, six days a week to meet the company's production orders for less lethal weapons. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories, union news, social justice issues. With official figures showing 1 million unemployed but closer to 20% unemployed and underemployed with COVID-19 job losses affecting women and young people disproportionately since they are overrepresented in insecure and casualised work in industry's hardest hit, the Australian Council of Trade Unions, the ACTU, is calling for a reconstruction plan that rivals the reconstruction plan John Curtin set in motion before the end of the Second World War. Here is some of what ACTU President Michelle O'Neill said on Monday when she launched the ACTU's National Economic Reconstruction Plan. Thanks for joining me today to launch a plan formulated by Australian unions for national economic reconstruction that puts jobs at the centre of the post-pandemic recovery. In the midst of this crisis, we're talking to government and employers. And we're determined to ensure that the voices of working people are heard by those in power. We're clear that every proposal put forward will be judged by whether it makes workers better off or not. We want to make progress in limiting the spread of insecure work, stamping down on wage theft and improving collective bargaining to give more workers better access to its benefits. But the main game of economic reconstruction and job creation will not be delivered by those discussions. History tells us that left to its own devices, the economy is poised for years of depression post-COVID. We want to make progress in limiting the spread of insecure work, stamping down on wage theft and improving collective bargaining to give more workers better access to its benefits. And we confidently speak for Australian workers when we say we cannot and must not accept, as a Deloitte report flagged last week, a jobless recovery. And we cannot and must not accept a recovery recovery that leaves the next generation with a social deficit from which they'll never recover. And we cannot and will not accept recipes for national reconstruction based on taking away workers' rights and conditions. We are at such a historic moment again. Australia needs a new national reconstruction plan, one that echoes the Curtin Coombs white paper on full employment but that takes into account how our country, the economy and labour market have changed immensely since then. Part of reconstructing our national economy after COVID-19, and in particular repairing the employment prospects for women workers, 
must be a broader strategy to roll out high quality, publicly funded, not-for-profit childcare and early learning services befitting a modern nation. Our early childhood education and care strategy has several components, including the provision of permanently free childcare, capital investment to construct new, high quality, publicly funded, not-for-profit facilities, the funding of universal access to 15 hours to preschoolers of three and four-year-olds, an extension and improvement of the current wage subsidies to support the ongoing employment of staff in this sector. Young workers have been amongst the hardest hit by unemployment and underemployment arising from the shutdowns. We propose a national training for reconstruction program to fundamentally strengthen the ability of Australia's deeply troubled vet sector to respond to the urgent needs for training and retraining that will ensure because of the pandemic. This program would include several components. A rebuilding TAFE fund, updating and modernising facilities with a particular focus on regional areas. A Commonwealth wage subsidies of 50% for up to 100,000 apprentices and trainees for the life of their apprenticeship or traineeship with a guaranteed job at the end. And to assist our higher education sector, the Commonwealth Government must extend JobKeeper wage subsidies to universities, which are currently excluded from the program through the whole of the 2020 academic year. This will help to protect another 20,000 higher education jobs that are at risk because of the current crisis in international education. Commonwealth sponsorship of artistic, community, agricultural and entertainment events, productions and exhibitions in all states. Additional grant support for the Australia Council to support grant recipients with emergency financial requirements arising from the COVID-19 shutdowns. Expansion of JobKeeper wage subsidy provisions to include arts and entertainment workers. And for the Commonwealth to provide a 12-month period where they take over payment of regular state payroll taxes, taxes for paid employees in two industries critical to domestic travel and tourism, passenger, passenger transportation and overnight accommodation. We call on the government to commit to 6.5% of GDP to infrastructure and new public capital projects for the next decade. The National Reconstruction Investment Plan would support the creation of 75,000 direct jobs in construction and over 100,000 additional indirect jobs in supply and consumer industries. The plan includes... Overseen by Infrastructure Australia, a $30 billion per year significant boost of investment in public capital projects, including funding for transportation, community and public housing, cultural and public service facilities, forest and fire management investments to better prepare for future fire seasons and renewable energy assets and efficiency upgrades. Australians understand that in order to survive in the post-COVID world, we need to rebuild local manufacturing so that we enhance our sovereignty and national security, as well as creating tens of thousands of decent manufacturing jobs. Zero interest loans for new renewable energy developments with a direct link to manufacturing. Support for large gas and electricity users to upgrade equipment as part of energy conservation plans. Expanded Commonwealth investments in rapid decarbonisation of the energy sector. Technology grants to support commercialised research and development. 
and five new sustainable manufacturing clusters in key areas, including lithium battery and value-added manufacturing, renewable hydrogen, hydrogen production, green primary metal manufacturing, electric vehicle manufacturing and servicing, and renewable energy machinery. A superpower investment fund to undertake co-investments, including public equity shares, in new sustainable manufacturing activities. Australia needs a government-led national economic reconstruction plan, one that's ambitious, comprehensive and fast. We've today released a plan that will support and create jobs for women and men in the public and private sector, in cities and country towns, for young people as well as older workers. Because we know if you don't look after people, people can't look after the economy. You are listening to Stick Together, Worker Stories, Union News, Social Justice Issues. Victoria is bending under the weight of a wave of new COVID-19 cases, which has set off calls for a Code 4 lockdown. Not sure what that is, but it seemed to have finally dawned on the authorities that low wages, insecure work, casualisation, lack of personal protective equipment provided by employers and sufficient training might actually impact a population's ability to contain a pandemic. People without pandemic leave, low incomes and responsibilities may not have the luxury of staying at home or working in only one location. The outbreak caused by slack security at a quarantine hotel has exposed the shady operations of subcontractors in the security industry exploiting predominantly overseas students. Let's hear first from Walid, the security guard who blew the whistle on the security contractor involved, and Kazim from the United Workers Union, the UWU. I'll hand it over to you. Hello, everyone. My name is Walid, and uh, I'm working in security industry over the past three years. Firstly, I'm very thankful to this forum for giving me this opportunity to speak on this issue, that uh, how these subcontractors are creating exploitation in this industry. just want to make it clarify uh, before I further go on that uh, uh, whatever happened in quarantine hotels is just uh, because of the uh, uh, not taking proper precautions uh, by the subcontractors and uh, how how they just uh, they just made money out of it and uh, didn't even uh, train their guard properly. So I'm going to explain that how these subcontractors are growing rapidly and what is the formula which they're using to increase their business. Their only targets are migrants, especially international students. Uh, I will briefly tell my own story that how I ended up working with these subcontractors. Uh, I did my security course, which cost me uh, almost $1,700. And uh, uh, as soon as I got my license, I started applying in all these companies, but I had no luck. And uh, with the reference of my friend, I ended up uh, working with these subcontractors. They know the drill. They know that there's no direct company is going to hire international students. And that is how their business starts. And uh, they, they, almost all of them, they speak the same first language. And that is how they take advantage out of us emotionally, saying things like, uh, we are here to help you. Uh, we'll give you long hours shift. And all they pay you is 18 to $20 an hour or even less than that. And it is all flat rate. There's no long service leave, no superannuation, no uh, sick leave, no weekend or public holiday race in it, all flat ride. Uh, they treat migrants so bad. They blackmail them. 
They bully them. They force them to work. I still have a message of one of the contractor asking me to do the shift next day. And uh, because I had a family commitment, and I, I said, sorry, I'm not available tomorrow because of the family commitments. Uh, and I got a response back from him saying, uh, you must do it or we have to hire some new guards. So they, they are ruthless. They, they're just money-making organizations. They don't care about health and safety or anything. Uh, sometime, let's say if international students, they're not available to work and uh, uh, they say apology is not available this week. And uh, what they say, they blackmail them. They be like, uh, we'll uh, report it to immigration saying that you're exceeding your weekly hours of limit. And uh, that, that is on the, on the other hand, what I have found the direct companies, they're not, uh, they don't want to take that responsibility. They found it hard to handle uh, international students because of their limited hours of work. And it, it left no choice for international students except for working with these subcontractors. Uh, I would say there's a lack of awareness as well. Uh, we migrants were not aware of our proper entitlements, our working rights and everything. Uh, for example, if it's me, uh, I was not aware of my proper entitlements I mean, I knew that these subcontracts, they're stealing money from me, but how much? I was totally unaware of that until I joined United Workers Unions and met people like Kazim and uh, Nick. Uh, I personally think that union, it is very important in every industry. It helps the people to speak about their rights and what is going on at their workplace. That, that, just, that just gives you that opportunity and uh, I'm very thankful to them. Uh, and sadly, it is, it is not just that security industry just happening in every industry. All they pay you is 13 to $20 an hour, and which is a complete flat rate. And uh, especially from migrants, they just take a lot of work from them. And then uh, at the end of the day, they just pay them nothing. They treat them so bad. Uh, what I have seen in the past few years is that there has been no proper checks on all these industries. Uh, there's no accountability uh, I have seen few in investigations going on, but uh, all of a sudden it's all disappeared. I think what we need at the moment is to give a proper training to uh, all the migrants. Uh, what are their proper entitlements? Encourage them to join union uh, and so they can speak about what's happening at their workplace. Also, I want to include one more point that as per the growing numbers of issues and increasing day-to-day -day expenses, if government can increase the student hours limit up to 30 hours a week right now it's 20 so they they can work having their proper entitlements and not be dodged by the subcontractors or their employees i think there would be no harm increasing these hours of limit if it stop exploitation and it is worth it uh, and i also think that it is an ongoing issue since more than a decade now and there's nothing comes up and it is the right time to fight for it thank you Thank you so much, Waleed. And I'm just going to hand it over to Kazim Shah, who is also an organizer at the United Workers Union. Uh, thank you, Kazim. Thank you. Uh, that was awesome. Thank you, Waleed, for sharing your story. Uh, I'll introduce myself. Uh, uh, I, I, when I listen to Waleed's story, it just uh, matches my story because I also was an international student, came to Australia in 2009, and I worked in the security industry for nine years. And it is the same thing happened to me. And, uh, uh, and that was the reason I became a union delegate and tried to help and make sure that uh, what I went through, other people don't go through that. And uh, 
we we need to uh, it's so so important that the uh, union all these stories which are coming out uh, from the hotel quarantine and uh, and other places those stories wouldn't have come out with the help of the union because the union are the ones which are listening to the workers and uh, uh, it is very very important to uh, inform people because in the migrant community international student they don't even have any uh, they don't understand what unions roles are and uh, it is up to us uh, to explain that to other people or family friends that there is uh, uh, a way you can get your story and get your uh, actual proper wages and uh, the union is like working very hard like like Waleed uh, he wouldn't have known nothing about what is going on. Uh, what are the proper wages? What are the safety process? Uh, how things are supposed to be done? So it is very, very important and and to speak up and we have to encourage our uh, friends, uh, family. Everyone needs to uh, like tell them that because what is happening is this a lot of people they don't understand. And uh, for me also, when I was uh, working with subcontractors myself, I had no clue. And, uh, uh, and I uh, met a union person. They explained to me. And then afterwards, I made sure that everyone beside me, my colleagues, my friends, my family, I will always inform them that this is your proper entitlement, join the union and speak up, fight. Because these companies are just taking advantage of everyone and getting away with it. And we have to stop that. And that stop to stop them, it comes from all of us. We all have to play a part. It's a small part by asking or your friends and family that uh, is your workplace safe for everyone, whatever. Because again, this is these are the things to get create awareness in our community. And uh, we are having a, a security review in which uh, we are trying to get uh, the LRD, which is the licensing regulatory division that uh, we are trying to get those because some of these organizations, these government organizations are issuing licenses to these companies and they're stealing money from the, uh, from the employees and, they, and they're playing uh, a, a criminal thing. And uh, uh, again and again, I have seen stories where uh, they use a, 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 an alphabet sort of company, ABC, then uh, they steal money, they close the shop by bankrupting themselves, and then again they start another company. And they Sorry, do Kazim, the just uh, one minute left. Thank you. Yeah. Then they and they do the same thing. And this is happening again and again. And I will request that if if any one of your friends and family are working in the security industry, they should take part and do those submissions and bring change to their workplace. That's it for Stick Together this week. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or iTunes and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. Until next week, stick together. This week, we go out with a song sent in by a listener. Join your bloody union. I've been a unionist all my life Supported all the stop works and the strikes 
Thankful for the hard-won gains Been proud to see the bosses tame And I just can't stand those who don't join They seem to be coming an increasing throng Of workers who take Union One conditions But don't want to pay the annual subscription Join the bloody Union If you got any conscience Join the bloody Union If you got any common sense Don't write on the backs of your hard-working mates Whinging about freedom and high Union rights As far as I'm concerned, they can all go to hell Give up all the conditions and pay rises as well Work 12-hour days for under-award wages Suffer exploitation like the Middle Ages Join the bloody union if you got any conscience Join the bloody union if you got any sense Don't ride on the backs of your hard-working mates Whinging about freedom and high union rates Freedom not to join is a philosophy we don't need Belonging to the bosses and the right-wing creeds Do your duty and get a union card And be welcome at any place or yard Join the bloody union if you got any conscience Join the bloody union if you got any sense Don't ride on the backs of your hard-working mates Whinging about freedom and high union rights Oh, come and join the bloody union If you got any conscience Join the bloody union If you got any sense Don't ride on the backs of your hard-working mates Whinging about freedom and high union rights listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.